Hello and welcome to Sit and Listen, a production of Science in the News. We are a graduate student-led organization at Harvard University focused on generating discussions between scientists, other experts, and enthusiasts. The global pandemic caused by the novel coronavirus, SARS-CoV-2, has changed the world and altered all of our lives. In this series of episodes titled Scientists at Home, we present narratives of life and research during the pandemic from scientists and academics across a broad range of disciplines and stages of their careers. We hope that in hearing these narratives, you'll feel a sense of camaraderie with the scientific community as we acclimate to these difficult times. Our graduate students at Harvard and MIT with vastly different scientific backgrounds united by a common and shared interest in podcasting and bring to you the stories of academics during this unique time. Hi, I'm Edward and I'm a master's student in immunology. Hey, I'm Delphine. I'm a PhD student in systems biology. Hi, I'm Chad. I'm a fourth year PhD student in the biological and biomedical sciences PhD program. Hi, I'm Melissa, and I'm a PhD student in physics. Hi, I'm Wei, and I'm a PhD student in the chemistry and chemical biology department. This series of podcast episodes will focus on work and life for different scientists within the Harvard and MIT community, bringing you stories of luck, of triumph, of sadness, of joy, as we all acclimate during these difficult times and continue to move and make scientific progress. So we wanted to bring you these stories for a couple of different reasons. While the last year has been difficult for everybody, it's posed unique challenges for those conducting scientific research. It's also posed different challenges for people in different stages of their careers. So we thought that it was important for you to hear from people, not of just different backgrounds, but of different ages, of different eventual goals in science. Um, And also I think this year has been great at highlighting how important basic scientific research is and that it brought us things like understanding the novel coronavirus, eventually leading us to a or multiple vaccines. Um, so the people doing the work that you'll hear from maybe weren't working on the coronavirus, but the research is important nonetheless. My life pre-March 2020 was vastly different from my life now. I was in lab every day from morning to night, talking to people, doing bench work. We also keep live animals actually in our lab. And science generally is a highly collaborative field. Talk to each other a lot. We collaborate in research. We brainstorm ideas. And all of that changed once we went into lockdown. Firstly, the complete lack of understanding of what was going to happen and that stress that it brought up. And also the fact that I no longer see my lab mates. I no longer can do research uh, at my bench easily. I have to get COVID testing and my hours are severely restricted. In many ways, my life has changed significantly. And many of our colleagues, 
advisors, um, students that we supervise, all their lives have changed as well. In this series, um, we wanted to get perspective from people in different stages, in different careers. So we handpicked a group of academics, um, whether they are grad students or postdocs or faculty members. And uh, some of them have children, some of them just started their careers, some of them are from outside of the US. And therefore we wanted to see if, if they are, uh, wanted to see, um, wanted to learn more about their different and unique experiences um, and see how has COVID impacted science overall. So I personally didn't get to do many interviews, but for those of you who did, who got to talk to faculty, postdocs, undergrads, graduate students across the Harvard and MIT community, what were your thoughts about the, the disposition of people? Like what was a topic or a theme that was common amongst all your different interviewees? I can say for professors, definitely the fact that they're responsible for many different people was sort of top of their mind. So they had to think about their family. They also had to think about their research group. And within the research group, each student or each member has different needs, scientific, emotional uh, support. And on top of that, many of the professors were also teaching at the time. So not only did they have to think about, okay, how can I help my family? How can I help my students? How can I help the postdocs in my lab? But also these undergrads that I've been teaching, how can I continue teaching them while they're having to travel uh, back home abroad uh, you know, with a 10 hour time difference. And they had never done uh, online education before for this class. So I think the so main thing that I took away from my interview with the, my interviews with the professors uh, was that the, just the sheer number of different, very important groups of people that, that they had to think about and uh, try to effectively I mean, do the best that they could with the information that they had at the time. So for me, the common theme that I found out in both my interviews is a theme of insecurities. Um, Melise interviewed faculty members while I interviewed pre-faculty members, you would say, like grad students and postdocs who are trying to get either a job in industry or trying to get a job in academia. Um, and I would say that the COVID situation has definitely uh, increased their job insecurities even more than before. Um, and it seems to be a common concern among everyone. Yeah, and in reflecting back on my interviews, one of the things that I you know, took away was in the face of really terrible circumstances for everybody, I was really inspired by the sense of resiliency that everybody gave off. Um, and some people, you know, whether they were dealing with family or a tenuous um, employment situation, the fact that they could go from, you know, quote unquote, normal life to basically doing a 180 in the span of, you know, there was maybe a week that we can think back to where that happened. 
Um, and the fact that they got back on their feet, they took it in stride, you know, not to, not to downplay the incredible difficulty that they faced, but the fact that they were able to, you know, adjust to what everyone's been calling the new normal, um, and then come across, come away with it still, you know, not entirely defeated, I thought was, again, inspiring. Yeah, I love the, that phrase, the new normal. At least when the pandemic was starting, everyone would say, I'm looking forward for things going back to normal. And definitely as they've dragged along, people are now saying, I'm getting used to this new normal. You know, we're recording this in January 2021, but looking into the future, what 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 are your thoughts about what normal is going to be? So one of the postdocs that I interviewed actually started an entire online scientific community of people that have never spoken to each other. They're literally all over the world. And, you know, they just had this passion for this one very, not very niche, but they, for this one research topic. And now they have weekly meetings, they have journal clubs, there's a mentorship program, um, there's social events. And I'd like to think that that might be the new normal moving forward, even once, you know, we can turn off Zoom because you know, we said the world was small before, but now I think we can think that it's even smaller, maybe. Adding on to that, I, I completely agree. I think now that we have seen that we can have online relationships, like academic relationships, I think it will become significantly more common. Um, one of the professors that I talked to, he was talking about how they have a student who is joining their group meetings from the UK. And I think prior to this, it was not really thought of as something that was doable. And now that people have seen that it is. And I think this is one of the sort of positive things that have come out of it. Just the realization that you don't necessarily need to be physically there to be able to contribute or join in at least certain um, spheres certain ways. And I think that following up on that, I think it's going to have a hopefully an overall in positive impact on making science more equitable. So maybe people who couldn't afford to travel before or people who were parents and couldn't get affordable childcare. Um, also traveling less is good for the environment. So I think that hopefully in the future, we you know take those things into consideration a little more also. I definitely hope so. I know I, I got the chance to go to two virtual conferences this year. And it was actually my first time meeting so so many people from around the world, like such a global audience. I've been going to conferences for a while because I've been in science since I was an undergrad and never before had I met people um, from so many different other countries. Usually you're just like, you know, if you're in Boston going to a conference, it's people maybe that came from Connecticut, you know, <laughs> like that's as far as they come from. But it was just so exciting to to feel like, as Chad said, like the community was becoming smaller and that science and science communication was spreading throughout the world and hopefully becoming more accessible. What are your guys' thoughts about the current climate, the the political climate specifically, and how things have been changing when we think of science in light of what's going on in the rest of the world? I think that's a difficult question to answer. I would say not necessarily political, but one thing that has been positive, let's say, is that people are now at least interested in the mRNA vaccine. 
And through that, yes, there's a lot of you know misinformation going around, right? Then there are a lot of people who don't believe in science and they will believe what politicians say. But at least I think in a large group of people, it has renewed the interest in science. And I think people are trying to understand what an mRNA is, what, how does a vaccine work? And I think these kinds of things are positive in such a terrible and uh, like ter a terrible climate that we are in and a difficult time to be a scientist um, with, with sort of low trust in science. But I think this has been, I would say a positive aspect. There are many friends and family members who have come to me asking about this and I've been able to have this conversation with them whereas previously I would not have. Definitely, I think usually um, over the dinner table, everyone used to just ask me about cancer and I would always tell them, I study bacteria, I don't study cancer. Um, but it's actually quite delightful to have, you know, again, I don't study COVID, but it's nice that people respect and are trying to learn. Because I think so much of science is just promote, promoting the production of knowledge, but also like the, the learning aspect. And I really appreciate that now more than ever, people are trying to learn and, and to, be, um, to be more intelligent about how they go through life. Yeah, that being said, though, I think in terms of funding and in terms of scientific progress, I think we're going to see the effects of COVID for a very long time and mostly, unfortunately, probably negative effects. I think we have a huge lack of funds already. We had a huge uh, lack of funds to begin with. And this has sort of exacerbated that problem. And the fact that people didn't have much time to adapt to the new kind of work environment, right? Working from home, I think it has impacted, especially people who did uh, bench work or otherwise had to be in uh, a lab setting. I think we will see the effects of that for a long time. Maybe to put a more positive spin, and I'm not usually the optimistic one, but I think that this whole, you know, catastrophe has highlighted the importance of increasing scientific funding. Um, so I'd like to think that with the incoming administration, um, scientific funding will be boosted. We just heard this, or today actually, that um, one of our very own, Eric Lander, will be one of the chief advisors to the president-elect for science. Um, so hopefully he puts in a good word for, you know, basic research and yeah, even though it's been acutely terrible and I think that people will be feeling the effects for a long time, hopefully in the long run, we'll learn our lesson, so to speak. And I think also in the field of vaccine technology, this was sort of an opportunity for mRNA vaccines to become mainstream as this virus evolves most likely we will need to get vaccinated again and again and again, just sort of like how we have the uh, flu vaccine. And um, mRNA vaccination allows for significantly faster production and uh, just sort of like a new era in, in 
vaccines. And what's really exciting about Moderna specifically is that they've been around for about a decade now. So they have this whole like, you know, pipeline of vaccines that are, or not vaccines, but mRNA products that are almost there. So now that the public is sort of open to the idea of using these things, then maybe, you know, we'll see an explosion of mRNA medicine in the next few years. So we're all scientists at home. What does home look like for you? Like, what does it look like to be a scientist working at your home? So I was a little slow to lean into the like work from home philosophy maybe. So I basically didn't make any kind of adjustments to my room. You know, my chair is the same one I've had for years. Um, desk is the same one I've had for years, et cetera. Um, but recently I've been, you know, trying to make it actually a nice place to work. Um, so candles, plants, nice lamps, et cetera. So I have my desk in my bedroom and I live with my husband who has his desk in the living room. So that has been sort of a funny thing where, uh, you know, I ask him, are you in a meeting before I have to go, you know, get water from the kitchen or something? So we've been having just a closed door between us and trying to uh, organize our meetings, if possible, to not overlap so that I'm not talking as he's talking in the other room. Um, and uh, I had my desk here, but we actually had to go find a desk for him. So um, during the uh, September 1st dump uh, situation in Cambridge, where a lot of people move, uh, we were actually in the market for a desk at the time and we found a desk uh, and we just brought it home. <laughs> so that's the one that he uses. Um, how about you, Wei? How has it been working at home? So my home since the first shutdown has changed three times, because, four times actually, because I first moved to West Coast for a while and I came back and then my lease ended at September 1st and then I had to find a new temporary place and then now I found a hopefully more permanent place. There is a studio and I am living alone. I don't have to worry about roommates talking in the next room and disrupting my meetings. So hopefully right now, after one year, I have a, a permanent work from home place. Um, but then again, um, the, the kind of work I do is very difficult to work from, from home um, if I, just stay at home, I can only do like maybe 1% of everything that I can do. So I would have to say that I'm not the best person to look for a work from home situation because at home, I'm just mostly unproductive. <laughs> That's so true. So it's a new year, you know, happy 2021. What are some things that you guys are looking forward to or hoping for, for this upcoming year? Well, for me, I am hoping to have the travel restrictions a little bit uh, less strict as time goes on and hopefully most people get the vaccine. Um, because currently, if I were to try to go back home to Singapore, there will be two weeks of quarantine in Singapore when I get there. And then when I come back, two weeks of quarantine in US, which is very not ideal, one entire month of being not able to go out. So hopefully I will be able to go back home without quarantining myself. 
and I have made a mental note that once everything is back to normal, as normal as it can be, I will never reject anybody else's offer to go out to have a drink anymore. <laughs> I would say yes to every single offer. I'm really looking forward to those random conversations that you have just getting coffee or in the hallway or when you're having lunch in the lab. You know, I think my best uh, ideas and my best collaborations have come from those kinds of conversations, just serendipitous, just, you know, you have an issue and you talk to another person, they have an answer for you or they say oh yeah but have you thought about this or something like that I'm really looking forward to that because I feel like the biggest loss for me has been this lack of sort of um, just random but randomly bumping into someone and having a conversation that you would not necessarily have thought about yeah I'd say my the things I'm looking forward to are similar to Melissa and Wei um I'm looking forward to actually having happy hour with my lab in person. Zoom is fine, but it's not the same. I also really want to go home. Miss my family. I really want to pet my dog. Yeah, just not walk around with like a low-grade anxiety for, you know, for once. Yeah, I feel the same. I want to see my family. I want to talk to people in the hallways. I want to, to not have super dry hands from using too much hand sanitizer. <laughs> And I want to just feel safe, you know, like being on public transit again. Thank you all for sharing your personal stories. And I know I'm excited to hear more about the narratives that we've curated. And I hope that the listeners at home are as well. So stay tuned. Every Monday we'll be releasing episodes featuring a different scientist that will talk about their life and work during the pandemic. <laughs>